0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Good morning fellow animal lovers and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host Marie Hewlett and I wish you a happy Independence Day. Always a fun time for people, but rather scary for pets, so please be extra mindful of them all weekend long. Now to the matter at hand. Today one of our longtime pet place friends, Terry Steuben, will be stopping by to talk about a new book she has just finished that covers her experiencing her experiences rather, rescuing pets in Louisiana following Hurricane Katrina. Believe it or not, it's been 10 years since that natural disaster devastated so many people and pets. This book commemorates the anniversary and helps us remember that we all need to make sure our families are all prepared for disasters, especially our little four-legged family members. Then after our halftime break, Marianne Dell will share the joy of her new puppy and touch on the topic of responsible breeding. This and more are coming right up after a quick message from KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM, I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining me now is our longtime Pet Place friend, it's Terry Steuben. Good morning, Terry. How are you?
0: Well, good morning, Marie. Thanks for having me. Always good to chat with you guys.
1: Definitely. And it's the 4th of July, which is a big day that we celebrate happily, but we're also thinking about the 10th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. Can you believe it's been that long?
0: It's amazing, isn't it?
1: It just seems like yesterday, and and I'm sure it must seem like yesterday to you because you were right in the thick of it.
0: I was right in the thick of it. Yeah, I was there. Uh, I was de- deployed by the Humane Society of the United States because I'm a disaster trained responder. So I was there weeks three and four, actually, kind of in the beginning of when the the uh, removal of all the animals was beginning to happen.
1: Wow, and they called you specifically to help with animals, correct?
0: They did. Uh, I I got a nudge uh, several years ahead of time, so I was uh, uh, tr- I got into some training, and um, because I was trained to go, uh, I was one of the ones that was first called. I was very fortunate. Uh, I got to fly wow. down there. <laughs> some of the other folks locally took. Uh, they all drove, but wow. uh, there was a lot of people from our area that went.
1: Yeah, and that that's amazing that so many animal people are ready, willing, and able to help when disaster strikes, and I commend you and all the other volunteers who who really risked a lot to get down there and, and take part in these operations. From your perspective, when you first got to some of the most devastated areas, what did you see, and what was your reaction to all of this?
0: Well, when I first arrived, uh, the first couple of days I worked with uh, the vets. Um, at Lamar Dixon, and um, all the animals coming in, they, they didn't know what was going on. But uh, when I did go downtown, uh, it, it reminded me of uh, when I grew up as a kid, we had a lake that fluctuated. It'd come in and go out, and you know how the water goes out, and then it just looks like dried, cracked mud. That mm-hmm. was everywhere. Wow. There were downed uh, trees crossing streets, Um there was like a boat would have floated into the side of the house.
1: Wow.
0: Um, there were buses, you know, on their sides. I mean, there was anything you would think would happen with a disaster and a hurricane. It was pretty much the aftermath of all of that. It must have looked like a war zone. It did. It did. And there were some houses that were still burning uh, because they couldn't get the uh, gas to turn off yet.
1: Oh, yikes. And then you would come across animals, and they were probably
0: extremely
1: scared. How would you calm them down and and get a hold of them and bring them to a safe haven?
0: Well, it it was, uh, everything varied. There were times when the animals were just like, get me out of here. Mm -hmm. Or like, are you going to take me, or are you going to chase me like those other people did? So. I think the benefit of my being a pet whisperer came in handy in a lot of respects because I would just kind of kneel down and say, do you want to go with us
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: why we're going. And there were a lot of animals that were still waiting for their parents to come back for them. I had to explain to them that their, their families were taken out of here and they couldn't come back, and they sent me to come and get them. Now, a lot of these
1: animals probably had no identification whatsoever do you happen to know how many animals were actually reunited with their families when things calmed down?
0: Well, I do know um, what I had heard from the Humane Society of the United States was uh, um, one of the guys that was working with the horses. He understood that all but one horse was returned.
1: Oh, that's good.
0: Horses are very or horse people are very close knit community, so they are very well organized when it comes to disaster and getting out. Uh, I do remember something around only 8% oh of the dogs were returned. So, And that's because they either weren't claimed or their parents were moved different places. You know, people were spread out across the United States.
1: If you could look back at this or take a time machine to before this happened, what would you tell pet parents to do to prepare for this kind of disaster?
0: I would tell them... Um, First of all, get a grocery bag, put some dog food in there, some water for your pet, a leash, collar, any medications you might need for a couple weeks. And when the disaster came, I would grab them and I would take them with them. Mm -hmm. But at that time, as you remember, we didn't have any laws in place. And that's what became such a big problem is because there was no animal rescue involved at the time. It was only human, and that's what started the problem here.
1: So they were actually told to leave their pets behind? Yes. yeah wow. I, I don't think then, I could ever do that. since that's when we have,
0: actually, California's law, uh, the Pets Act, was approved right before the federal law, which was, of course, because of uh, Katrina is why those laws were put into place.
1: Of course, would you recommend having identification in the form of a color tag, microchip, anything like that?
0: Those are all very good uh, to have, yes, and I would recommend that. The other thing I would recommend is taking a picture of yourself with your pet Mm -hmm. because when someone would come to the disaster, um, Lamar Dixon, to try and claim a pet, there was some confusion at times as to who was the rightful owner. But if you could say, see, here's a picture of me with my pet. Ah, excellent advice. Yeah, there would be no, uh, no problems with that.
1: And the thing about natural disasters is that you don't have to live in a place like Louisiana to experience something like this. Every location across the country is prone to their own type of disaster, whether it be a fire, an earthquake, a hurricane, you name it. So everybody should be prepared for any kind of a disaster, even a small one. I mean, your own home might have a fire, and that's your own personal disaster that you have to be prepared for. And in that case, would you recommend networking with neighbors? What precautions should people take?
0: Well, I think it's always good to chat with your neighbors because today a lot of people don't even know who their neighbors are.
1: Oh, that's for sure. And in, yeah.
0: um, in, in our neighborhood here, what we have is most people know who has a pet, and most people know that it somebody's work schedule and if somebody's gone then they know to come over and um people have been I've been given permission to people to break a window if you need to get in and get my pets out, I don't care. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yeah, let people know that it's a okay to do that in the emergency. I mean you have these neighbors, make friends.
0: <laughs> it's well the and also if to. you're in a disaster situation and you have to leave, put a note on your door. Sure. You mm-hmm. know, that says there's so many pets in here, where they're at, that kind of thing. Or we're all out of the house mm-hmm. because that would let a, a, any kind of responder, a National Guard, Fire, p- Police Department, or somebody like me with HSUS to let us know, oh, this house is empty, we don't have to look.
1: Oh, great advice, great advice. And you wrote a wonderful book about all these experiences. Can you tell me a little bit about it?
0: Well, sure. The book is, is coming out uh, August 1st, and it's called Tales of Triumph. Animals tell their Katrina stories. It's based on the journal that I kept my two-week stay down there. I was down there dur- r- during the aftermath of Katrina mm-hmm. and during Hurricane Rita. Oh, wow! So it's it's a lot of it is based on what the animals were telling me at the time, what they were saying, uh, their survival, and um, when we would rescue them, the things that they would be saying back and forth, which I think is is kind of a different perspective. Then maybe anybody has heard to this point.
1: If somebody wanted to read the book, is it available everywhere, Amazon.com, bookstores? How would somebody go ahead and get a copy of
0: it? Well, right now you can get a copy, uh, pre-order a copy on my website, which is com and then just look under book. You can order a copy there. Uh, There are some local bookstores in the area where it's going to be distributed, and uh, hopefully it will be up on um, Amazon and possibly Barnes & Noble like my first book.
1: Fabulous. What is your favorite story from this book, if you can share a little tidbit with us?
0: Oh, my. There there are so many that are good and and happy, and I I would say – Probably the neatest story I have is there was a there was a dog we were looking for, and nobody could find and I'm walking around this house and all of a sudden I felt something and I just looked down because you know a lot of the houses down there are on blocks and and then I heard "Don't pass me by again and I'm looking I'm looking and all of a sudden i I looked down and all I saw was an eye, and I'm like, "Oh, there it is." <laughs> You know, and somebody else looked down there and uh, come to find out this dog had been chained up oh. underneath there for 24 days. Wow, and it was alive. It was still alive. Oh, my goodness. And it took us uh, about an hour and a half to get him out of there. Oh. Now, oh. that to me, in my mind, is a hero.
1: Oh, my goodness. What What was it? Drinking and eating to have survived for that long a time without any kind of care and being chained up? That's Nothing.
0: So he was chained up where he was standing up. Oh, man. And um, it was uh, intentional um, by an owner because the dog was, uh, the owner was a part of, during that time is when they had a lot of the dog uh, pit bull fighting situations. Oh, yeah. And so this dog wouldn't fight. And that was the punishment, was to tie him up, and then Katrina came, and he got stuck in that aftermath. Did he
1: get adopted by a new family?
0: Actually, he did, yes.
1: Yay! (laughs) Happy ending. (laughs) I was hoping, because I was getting kind of bummed, Terry. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) but there's happy and there's sad. You know, there's another story that I have of... uh, A dog, he would come. There were days that we just all we could do was drop food because there were so many animals we were getting out of there. They exceeded the limits at Lamar Dixon. So this one dog, he came and he took a snack out of my hand. And I said, you come back here. And he gave me back the snack. I said, you eat something, then you can take the snack with you. And so he did, and then I handed the snack with him. But later on, there was a lot more to that story.
1: And there was a reason
0: that he was taking food with him. Well, I guess we're
1: going to, yeah, we're all going to have to read to find out. Well, Terry, this sounds like a brilliant book, and I'm so glad you put all of your memories together in something that can be shared and Thanks for telling a little bit about it today.
0: Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: We need to take a super fast break now, but don't go away, because in just a moment we'll be talking with Marianne Dell, whose broken heart over the loss of her sweet doggy Jitterbug is now mending thanks to a very wonderful puppy that is filling her days with joy. Animals really are the best medicine. This and more are coming right up on the other side of a very fast break. Station message here on KJazz 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and thanks for keeping your radio and computer tuned to this program. Marianne Dell had a newsroom emergency. As you all know, she works at the Orange County Register, so when breaking news happens, she has to run. But we have a very special guest. It's our producer and very special friend, Mike Johnson. Hi, Mike. Good
2: morning, Marie. Thanks for being with me today.
1: (laughs) Thanks for being with me.
2: Oh, boy. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm glad that you were able to step in because Mm -hmm. I actually did want to talk about the 4th of July.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. It
1: is, as I mentioned earlier, a very, very, very scary time for dogs and cats. And from my... Old animal control days, mm-hmm. I saw so many terrible accidents. Dogs that were in such a fright, they would literally break through plate glass windows sure. to get out, definitely through screens. Mm-hmm. Their pet parents were gone at parties, and so they would have no idea any of this happened until yep. they got home, and, yep. and their beloved pets would be gone and out in the street and injured and who knows. It was just a really terrible time. So right. as a pet parent yourself... How does Amber Good Dog respond to fireworks and explosions? You know,
2: Amber, absolutely. I think she's pretty typical in that sense that she hates it. She is absolutely petrified of the fireworks. She's petrified of all the sounds. And in my neighborhood, I live in in Anaheim, um, some folks have decided it's, you know, why wait till the July, July 4th, uh, start a few days early yeah. and, and blasting things off, which is, you know, which, which happens every year, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, no, she is she's absolutely petrified of it. And, and uh, I know tonight will be the big night, obviously. And, of course, happy 4th of July, everybody. We are patriotic here, but we don't want to scare our dogs. And what I end up having to do with Amber is I end up having to hold her, basically, for the entire night.
0: Uh because
2: otherwise i like you described the fear of of the dogs getting out and running up the street and and uh, you know breaking through as you say some dogs have broken through plate glass windows out of fear um it's 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 the only way to do it i now i understand that, that that some dogs actually have to have to have sedatives and that sort of yes. thing Yes, yeah?
1: yes, some people do go ahead and and head on over to their veterinarian's office and have sedatives prescribed is that a good idea It is, especially if your dog is especially upset by the fireworks. It's better to have them just kind of zoning and relaxing uh, than having them just panic. They don't understand at all. And cats, too. It's terrifying for so many. I
2: remember when we chatted about this, and it's been a couple of years ago, I think last time we talked about this, uh, you suggested putting the animals in a quiet dark room yes is that still that's still the case
1: yes if your animal is kind of borderline or just gets a little bit upset the very best thing for you to do is set up a bedroom with their dog bed and some classical music playing and uh maybe a nice little treat maybe one of those treats a kong ball that's filled with peanut butter that mm-hmm. they have to just focus on and work on for a few hours and check on them periodically and and give them some comforting words and and i know that's if you have plans to get out and about it's kind of a bummer if you have to think oh gosh i gotta stay home but but that's when you have a the good fortune of hiring teenagers in your neighborhood and, <laughs> and paying them, you know, a little bit of money to uh, dog sit and hang sure. out with your pet if, if you need to get out and do other things.
2: You know, and I know that it's it's not uncommon, you know, as you've talked about, this has been a problem for many, many years. And I think, uh, again, I live in Anaheim. This year, the city of Anaheim has now uh, re-legalized the use of personal fireworks in your neighborhood. Oh, wow. um, so I expect in years gone by... It has been just the random rogue folks who have been blowing things up. I expect, you know, it's going to be a lot more tonight.
1: Oh, yeah. And Piccolo Pete's in particular Mm -hmm. set my animals off. They are terrifying for my little animals. Mm -hmm. And I do my best to try and keep them calm and quiet. There actually are some little products on the market. They're like little outfits that you could put your pet into Mm. that are really snug and feel like the dog is being hugged, and okay. the kitties, too. Mm-hmm. In fact, they were developed uh, by a very famous animal behaviorist. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. She okay. has autism, and she's she's quite well known about developing these hugging devices. Okay. And the dogs feel, dogs in particular, feel quite secure while they're wearing them. but kennels too if you have a nice kennel with a nice bed and it's fully walled all the way around with a door that's latched and secure your dog is going to feel secure in a kennel mm-hmm. you might think oh gosh i don't want to lock them up but it's not locking them up it's giving them a place where they know they are Safe
2: Security and, is so important, yeah. you know, as it you know, when you when you have children, let alone when you have animals, you want to make sure that your your human child or your animal child is secure.
1: You know, I was actually surprised to hear Amber Good Dog is afraid of anything because she's a, a Jack Russell, right? She
2: is a Jack Russell, and yes. she's
1: normally not afraid of anything. Is no, she <laughs> she,
2: has, she has very little fear, and that leads to another topic of discussion here. Uh, about uh, ten days ago. Uh, Amber was going out just around midnight to 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 use the restroom before she said goodnight. And she found what I thought and I think my wife thought was a kitty cat. Well, the sounds began to come in the backyard in a not very nice way Uh-oh. and it was a skunk.
0: Oh no.
2: Amber found a skunk out there in the backyard uh-huh. and the skunk sprayed Amber. Uh, what did you do we we did no i i we, we quickly freaked out of course and and, and you know <laughs> we we threw the dog in in the bathtub and my shampoo my wife's shampoo the dog's shampoo. Whatever we could find, we started throwing it on, on Amber, which did probably anything? was in retrospect not the best yeah. idea. But it, we had to do something out at on the moment on the on the spur of the moment. I did go onto the internet and I saw there were a couple of variations mm-hmm. of concoctions. Of course, the famous one is tomato juice. Yes. we have no tomato juice in our house. Oh no! And so that that was out. Uh, we came up. We found another concoction that was mentioned about two parts water, one part vinegar. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that worked pretty well. Okay. They worked pretty well. Okay. Is, is this sort of thing common? I mean, I mean, I think that maybe, especially where where we live, there seem to be may, be more and more skunks happening. Is that be becoming more commonplace?
1: Because we didn't have a big winter this year, mm-hmm. a lot of animals have really enjoyed this warm, pleasant right. weather. Right. Right. And they've had larger lit- litters. They've lived a more healthy lifestyle, and they're just getting about more than they would when we have a colder winter, mm-hmm. followed by the spring and then the summer. Right. And so you're going to see a lot more wild animals this year than you normally would. Really. But if you live in the foothills especially mm-hmm. or near golf courses or any kind of open space, you have to figure at least once in your life, your dog is going to have an encounter with well, a skunk. Well, it's Am- going to happen. Amber,
2: Amber had her experience, and uh, <laughs> it was it was it was uh, most unfortunate. And that the, I think the smell was in the house for about a week.
1: Oh, easily. Did yeah. it burn your eyes?
2: Not mine. No, oh, okay. no, no. I, I actually d- didn't uh, do so, do so badly with that. My wife, on the other hand, did not have a, have a pleasant experience with it.
1: Okay. Um, okay. I I know why it didn't burn your eyes because because, because you... I let
2: my wife take care <laughs> yeah. of it. That's right. You're right about that. You know me too well, Marie. You. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Well, you know Terry was ready. She was she due to jump in, into the fray and and help Amber right away. And I was of course holding the dog about five feet away from my body and said, here, here you go. Uh-huh. Sort of like you know a newborn a child when you when you're a new father, or a new parent, you don't know what to do with the baby <laughs> and the diaper. And like, here, this is this is for you. Oh, Happy no. New Year. Happy Fourth of July. No, no, no. <laughs> Well,
1: Mike, I I do have to ask you this. Is Amber all up to date on her rabies
2: vaccination? Yes, yes. We are always very good about that. We, we have our, our family vet that we've been taking all of our dogs to for many years. Okay. And, uh, yes, she has had all her vaccinations, in fact, just in the last month or so.
1: Did you check her over really well to make sure there were no bites or scratches or anything else aside from being sprayed? Because that is one thing that you do need to be concerned about with skunks.
2: I didn't see any bite marks. Uh, now, the spray did residually get into her face. Mm-hmm. And now I did, of course, you know, as people read things on the Internet and freak out, I, I did see the idea that potentially there is blindness mm-hmm. if the spray goes right in the eyes, and apparently mm-hmm. she avoided that.
1: Okay. But that's
2: that can be very serious, obviously.
1: Right. It's usually a very good idea to take a pet to a veterinarian immediately following any kind of encounter with any wild animal, but mm-hmm. especially with skunks because in Orange County, L.A. County, skunks and bats are pretty much the main rabies carriers in Mm. our vicinity. Mm. Now, most likely, if it's out and about at night and doing all the normal healthy things, um, it was probably a okay Mm -hmm. If you ever see a skunk walking around in broad daylight and maybe looking like it's drunk and and something's wrong with it, that would be a skunk you'd really want to worry about. And if your pet had an encounter with a skunk during the daytime, you really need to take some mm-hmm. extra rabies precautions. My
2: son said that he saw some, uh, there's a high school not not far from where we are, and he said, and, uh, he, said he saw a skunk walking by the high school in the daytime ah, not right. long ago.
1: Now, that is unusual behavior yeah. for skunks. Yeah. I mean, it might have just been scared out of its uh, daytime sleep mm-hmm. by something. Mm-hmm. But still, if you ever see a skunk in the daytime, that's something that you'd want to report To uh, animal control and school officials and make sure everybody stayed away from it. Of
2: course, you probably
1: would. Would animal (laughs) control
2: come for a live skunk?
1: If a skunk was acting unusually and being around in the daytime is unusual, they could send somebody out because that is a potential health threat. And the whole purpose of animal control is to cover veterinary public health. So that would be something that I think they would probably respond to.
2: Very good. Well, thank you, Marie.
1: Well, thank you, Mike. And I hope Amber never has another experience like that again. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. We need to take our last break of the morning, but stay right where you are. And we'll be back with Pet Place news and events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. You're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, I'm Marie Hewlett and it's time for Pet Place news and events. It's the 4th of July and there's a very fun celebration going on in just a few hours in Redondo Beach. It's the Run to Walk to Save a Dog's Life, sponsored by Rover Rescue. If you'd like to participate, call 310-379-0154. Once again, that number is 310-379-0154. You'll need to call right away since the walk starts in just a few hours. And please remember to keep your dogs inside where they can feel safe from all the loud fireworks that will no doubt be going on all around your house, all weekend long. This is a time when many pets run away from home in fear and get injured, lost, or even killed. So please take all precautions possible and have a safe and happy holiday. Well, that's all for me today. Remember... Pets need love and a home too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please stay or to your pets and have a wonderful day.